I'll never forget the night I received a call. It was back in the 90s. I was in college. My brother was a youth pastor at a church in the Pittsburgh area. And on this particular day, he took them to a local establishment and was doing a rock climbing event with them. And my brother, who climbed up this 30-foot wall, got to the top, and it was time for him to sit back and allow the person who was doing the belay to lower him. But when he sat back as he was instructed, the person who was doing the belay was not paying attention and dropped my brother 30 feet to the ground. Thankfully, he survived that event. He does still have memory loss from that moment. And you know, I'll never forget that night. And I'll never forget the trust that was lost because of the person who let him down. The person who was supposed to have his rope. Who was supposed to have his back. You know, trust is really a fragile thing, isn't it? I think so often in our life, we have walls that we've tried to climb. We've had people that we wanted to try to have to have our back, that were supposed to be there for us, that, let's be honest, they let us down. They broke trust. And when trust is broken, it's a very serious thing because in relationships, trust is so important. And when it's broken, it affects our ability to trust others and to move forward in our life. And we put our trust in someone that we can be real with, but sometimes they just let us down. Please know this truth. The foundation of any relationship is trust. That's the foundation of any relationship. You want to have a real and healthy relationship? Trust is, in, is super important in that relationship for it to be vibrant, for it to move on. But so many of us struggle with the ability to trust. We do. Every one of us probably at some level in our life and in our journey struggles with trust. Because trusting someone means that you feel that person is reliable, that you have confidence in them, that you feel that they will come through for you. And building trust, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual process. It is coming to an understanding that this person is going to come through, that their words and their actions match. They're just not going to talk the talk. They're going to walk the walk, and they're going to be there for me. And so often, trust is broken. Trust lets us down. And we all put our trust into something, and maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a device or something else in our life. And so I think we need to be real. Who or what do we put our trust in? Because ultimately, whatever you put your trust in is your closest relationship, is your closest companion. And trust is so fragile. So many of us have felt broken trust. And because you have been burnt in the past, you struggle with trusting others moving forward. You know, my brother's ability to trust those in that role changed that day. It wasn't the same for him to go climb a wall anymore. And oftentimes in our life, our ability to trust others changes when trust is broken. And when trust is broken, you know what ultimately then comes into our life? is fear. When trust is broken, fear comes in. And fear can destroy us. 
And so many of us live in such a state of fear because trust in our life was broken, because we have been burnt in the past. And when that happens, we are broken people because fear is a tremendous roadblock in our faith journey. If you live a life of fear, you have set up a roadblock. You have set up barriers from truly experiencing others and experiencing God. You've basically boxed him out. You know, according to psychology today, fear is a tremendous downside for us because fear sees only the hurt, sees only the pain, sees only the problem. Fear doesn't let you stop to think it through. Fear tells you to avoid anything new and unknown, to just play it safe in life. Fear contracts rather than expands who we are and experiencing what God really created you to be. Fear obscures your intuition and it often keeps you from making many decisions. It just holds you back. And ultimately, fear is a roadblock that's keeping you from experiencing God who really wants to set you free. Because God revealed in his word that the importance of faith, the importance of experiencing him is faith. Because faith is having confidence in the hope that God will provide, that God will always come through, even when you don't know how it's going to happen. Even when you don't know how tomorrow will unfold. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. That, we know, that faith is having confidence even when we don't know how it's going to play out. And as we continue on this message series titled, Teach Us to Pray, our focus today is uh, focusing on praying for what we need. We're, on this message series, we're going through the Lord's Prayer. And today's uh, verse focuses Matthew 6.11 that we're going to circle back around again of praying for what we need and, what, um, and God providing for our needs. But let's be honest. Asking for help puts us in a very scary position with the person that we're asking help from. You know why? Because asking for help puts you into a place of vulnerability. And being vulnerable, that's a scary place to be. I don't know about you, but that's a place that I get scared to walk into sometimes. To completely be open, to completely be vulnerable, of letting people seeing the real me. Do you struggle with allowing people seeing the real you? That's a place of vulnerability. It's letting them see my fears, my insufficiencies, my shortcomings. If only they saw the real me, what would they think then? How would they respond then? How would they treat me at that moment? And what happens is trust gets broken. Fear sets in because we don't want to be vulnerable again and allow that broken trust to fester up again. And if you're not careful, the path that then you are going on, if you allow fear to consume you, what next follows is pride. Pride then overwhelms you. That's what fear and, and staying away and an unwillingness to be vulnerable leads to. And what pride is, pride is saying, you know what? I don't need any help. I can do this on my own. I, I, everybody let me down before, so why do that again? I'm just going to keep it on myself. And what you just did in that moment when fear led to pride is you've begun to box everybody out of your life and you've boxed God out. 
And when you box God out and everybody else in your life, you found yourself completely and utterly alone. And when life comes crashing down, then what? Because it will. Pride is just the master cover-up. Pride is just an attempt to cover up and mask my own insufficiencies. That's all pride is. You know, please know this. Asking for help causes us to put pride away and accept the fact that we are not sufficient on our own. We need help. You need to say that. I need help. Say it with me. I want to hear you. I need help. Now say it like you mean it. I need help. Did you know the first step at ever receiving help is always admitting the fact that I need help. I have a problem. I am insufficient. I cannot do this. The most frustrating thing for any counselor is when you're with a person that you know who needs help, but they are unwilling to accept the fact and admit the fact that I need help. And in so doing, your hands are tied and you can't do anything for them. That's frustrating because you want to help, but they are unwilling to say, I need it. I'm insufficient. And so many of us, if you are like me, because this is a struggle for me too, my friends, is saying, I need help. I cannot do this on my own because we've gone down this journey of trust being broken, of fear consuming our hearts, of pride coming in, and then we just box everybody else out and we say, I don't need it. I'm good. But the reality is, we are not sufficient on our own. We need help. And oftentimes we don't ask for help because arrogance sets in and we think we can get through life on our own. And the only time we ask for help is when things really get bad, when things are really falling apart. And so often I go back and I reminisce about my brother's fall. And I think how many times are we at the wall of our life, whatever wall we're trying to climb in our life, And we think we've been here before. We've gone through this before. We've done it a thousand times. And we're about to climb our wall. And we think, I got this. And we don't go towards, we don't go to God. And the only time we ever go to God is when we fall. Why is that? Why do we only go to God when things really hit the fan? rather than going to him before we even make a first move. Why is that? The problem is we think we got this. The problem is we think we're in control. The problem is we box everybody out. This is so simplistic, yet we so often ignore it. Before we do anything, we need to seek Jesus. Before you do anything in your life, no matter how basic it is, no matter how many times you've done it before, the Bible says we need to seek him. He needs to be a part of it from the beginning. Otherwise, we'll miss out on what he wants to do through us in that moment. We need to be real with this. 
What are you seeking in life? What are you going after? Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's some sort of financial freedom or a romantic relationship or something else. What are you trying to seek in your life? You see, so often we struggle in life because those things that we try to seek, those things that we go after, becomes the object of our focus rather than God. And we miss out on who God is and what God wants to do simply because we're more seeking ourselves and what we want rather than him. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus, the Son of God, said this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do you seek what he said? Do you see what he said? He said, before you do anything else, seek his kingdom. Before you make the first move, seek his kingdom. Seek him. And we're not just to be seeking ourselves, but to seek him. In other words, our natural first step in life, and it's all of us, I think we all struggle with this, is to seek what we want. We seek our outcome. We seek our desired results. We seek what we want in life. And we go to God hoping for him to fulfill what we want in this situation. But Jesus said, before you do anything else, you seek the heart of God. You seek his kingdom. This is a heart change. This is saying, you know what? In all these moments, I always make it about me and what I want. And I'm really missing out on what God wants for my life. Because in that verse, then look what Jesus said. When you seek first his kingdom, then all things will be given to you. Here's something you need to understand about all things. Because I think sometimes we take it out of context, again, to match our heart rather than the heart of God. And that is all things. God, Jesus is not referencing here that you're going to get a Tesla and you're going to be having a beach house in the Caribbean and you're going to be living up life. That's not what he was referencing when he was saying all things. Because he's not saying you're going to get your heart. He's promising his heart, his kingdom. You see, all things is very much in reference to seeking first his kingdom. Again, this is a heart change. And so all things that he is going to provide is not this world. It's his kingdom. It's his blessings. It's his glory that he will provide to you. And let me tell you something. His kingdom has a pavement made of gold. And we keep asking for this world. Why is that? God is good. And what he provides is far better than you could ever imagine. And so we need to stop seeking our heart when we go to him. And truly seek first his kingdom so that we can experience him in a whole new way. Because our problem is not that we don't go to Jesus. I think a lot of us do. Sometimes too late when things come crashing down. But if you're like me, oftentimes we go to Jesus seeking what we want. But here's the reality. 
oftentimes we think we can get through this life on our own. We can meet our own needs. We can do, our, do everything on our own, but we can't. We need to stop and just think for a little bit. Sooner or later, it's all going to crash down, and at some point, we need to come to the truth. We need Jesus. And I got to stop going after my own heart because I'm missing out on him. And I'm challenging you to consider that too. Praying for what I need is more of him and less of me. That's what we need. Because the Bible tells us that God, who is the creator of all things, who created every one of us sitting in this room, very specifically and specially, he created you. And the Bible says that God is our provider. In fact, if you go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, when God first introduced himself, he gave himself a name. And in Hebrew, he gave himself the name Jehovah Jireh, translated, the Lord will provide. It's so true that he even named himself so that we would always know and always remember that no matter what this world offers, no matter what goes on in this world, God, by his very nature, by his very name, is always the one who provides. And he's always the one who comes through. And we just need to trust him. We need to trust him. We need Jesus. Look what Paul says about this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul writes, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God will meet all your needs. He will take care of you and he will take care of me. But the question still remains, do you trust him enough to provide? Do you allow him to provide in your life? Do you trust him that he will always take care of you? It's one thing to say it. It's a completely another thing to live it out. Do you trust him to always be there? If tomorrow you lost everything you've ever had, like Job did in the Old Testament, do you trust him that he will take care of you? Do you trust him? Do your actions meet up with that? Because going to the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus was teaching the disciples on that day and all of us on this day, in Matthew 6, 11, Jesus spoke these words in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. What such, such simple words. And so often if you've recited the Lord's Prayer, you've often recited right through these words and maybe not even stopped to think about the reality and the magnitude of what Jesus was signifying in this moment. Here, we are asking God, in my, my most basic needs... What I need to survive in life. What I just need to get through tomorrow. You provide. You take care of me. You know, but so often what we tend to do is we don't go to God for those needs. Because oftentimes we think, well, I worked 40 hours this week or 50 or 60 hours this week. I brought home all this money. I went to the store and got the groceries. I cooked the food. I kind of prepared all this. So I got this. God, can you, 
can you do something bigger for me? And I think in the reality, God might be laughing at us saying, hey, you have that job because of me. You were able to get to the grocery store because of me. There's food in the grocery store because of me. Everything you have is because I provided it. Yet so often, we neglect the simplistic because we seek our own heart rather than his. Do you trust that he will provide your most basic needs? You know what this really does? Going to him, becoming vulnerable to God so much so that saying, God, I trust you to take care of me. For all that I have, I trust you. This is such a vulnerable state to come to God that what it does is it brings fear and it pride and it collides. Because fear says, I am losing control. I need to have control in my life. And I just cannot lose this control. Then pride sets in and says, I can take care of it. I don't need anybody else. We box God and everybody else out. And when this happens, we set ourselves on a collision course. And if you watch out, it's going to bring destruction. And it's time to get real. Do you trust God? Do you trust him enough that he will take care of you? Or have you gone down a path of broken trust to fear consuming you, to pride overwhelming you, that you've boxed God and everybody else out and now you don't even know where to turn? We need Jesus. Because each day, is a new challenge. Today may seem good, but you know we cannot predict what tomorrow will bring. There's no way. You know, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew nation was in captivity in Egypt for many generations. Then God performed miraculous wonders through Moses, and God freed his people from the hands of the Egyptians, from the hands of Pharaoh. But now in this moment, they were wandering through the desert. They were hot. They were tired. They were hungry. And you can imagine the grumpiness that was setting in. Because if you've ever walked into somebody who's hot, who's tired, and who's hungry, it is a recipe for crankiness. And that's what was going on with the Israelites in this moment. And the people, they grumped. And they grumped at Moses about the situation they were in. And look what's written in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. They said, the Israelites said to them, that's Moses, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots and meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. I mean, did you hear them? Moses, I mean, you freed us out of Israel or out of Egypt. But, but we'd rather go into that. You know, the place we're praying for generations to be freed from, the despicable place, how we were beaten, how we were taken advantage of. In those moments, we just prayed, God, help us from this helpless state. We want to go back to that. Because you brought us here and now we don't even have food. At least there we ate. And you can see the grumpiness that they were having in this moment. And we are often like that, aren't we? When things don't go our way, when we don't get what we want, our attitude shifts just like the Israelites did to grumpiness and to crankiness. The issue that we tend to have 
is that we're spending more time and energy grumping about the situation that we are in rather than focusing our attention on Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Where does your attention go to? Do you focus more on the problems? Do you focus more of the situation you are in? Or do you allow yourself to turn your way from that to Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? Where does your attention go to? In the story, something amazing happens. The God who provides revealed himself even while they were all being cranky and grumpy and and doing their own thing. God came through. And he met their needs in the desert. Look what's written in Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven to you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. In the Old Testament Hebrew, this bread was called manna. And we don't fully know exactly what the substance was. But each morning, they would wake up and there was dew all through the ground. And they would co-collect all this dew. And each person would collect basically three pounds of it and take it back. And this would be enough food. And they would even have excess each day to provide them for their meals for that day. And then every day, the process would start again because at the end of the day, they would have to discard it. And if they didn't discard it, it would turn to maggots and be smelly and stinky. And some of the Israelites try to do that. They just want to keep some over for the next day. And God would not bless that. He blessed their efforts the next day in restocking their, their, their stuff. And then on Friday, he would provide enough food to get through Saturday so they would have a day of rest. God met them in the desert place. In the place where they felt there's no way we're going to be able to get our needs met, God came through and provided. Here's the lesson. God always provides. But he wants us to seek and follow him. That's what he wants. When we seek him, when we seek first his kingdom, God always comes through. The all things comes through. But ultimately seeking his kingdom means a willingness to follow him. Don't miss a very important lesson that we see from the story in Exodus. You see, the Israelite people, they had a part to play in receiving their blessings from God. God does not Bless spiritual laziness. He does not. He wants to come through and he comes through when we seek his heart. Then we experience the fullness of him and all that he provides. But until we step towards him to follow him, we are missing out on things that he wants to provide for us. We're missing out on the all things that he wants to do within us and through us. You see, every single day, the Hebrew people, they had to do their part. God provided the dew, but they had to go out and collect it and, 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 and prepare it. Every day he had them do that. Because he wanted to know, will you follow me? And the same is true for us. He wants us to follow 
him, to experience him. But all too often, we allow fear to rule our lives. We spend so much time worrying about tomorrow. We spend so much time allowing the broken trust to rule our lives with fear and to consume us with pride that we miss out on God and we worry about tomorrow. We worry about how tomorrow's going to come out, how tomorrow's going to work out. And I struggle with this too. There's times when I allow fear to consume me so much that I'm so worried about tomorrow that I can't even focus on today. And look what Jesus had to say about that in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Don't overlook the basic truth that Jesus reveals here. Go look out in nature. All the birds, all the deer, all the stinky raccoons, hey, they're all taken care of. Why? Because God provides. And God says, you are his most valuable creation in all things that he created. You are his most valuable creation. Look at Jesus' last words, last phrase on that, in, that, in that paragraph. Are you not much more valuable than them? Please know this, my friends. You are valuable. You are valuable because you were created by the creator of all the universe. You matter. And because of that, know this. God provides. His word is true. His name is true. He provides. And so when we pray, God, give us today our daily bread. I hope it's not just a brush off prayer for you. I hope it brings you into a place where you truly seek his kingdom, where you seek his heart and you experience all the things that he wants to provide because he loves you. He cares for you. He is the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. Let's pray together.